0: This podcast is sponsored by Blue Butterfly, the go-to cocktail bar and place to meet on Earl Street Maidstone. bluebutterfly.co.uk Kent Online News.
1: News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast.
0: Nicola Everett. Hello, thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast. Hope you're okay. on Tuesday, August the 3rd. Coming up, we've got an exclusive chat with a Kent footballer who's decided to come out as bisexual. But first, we're going to be speaking about rural crime because figures given to the Kent Online podcast show the county is one of the worst affected in the UK. It cost farmers here more than £1.3 million last year. While that's a fall of 25% on the previous year due to COVID and various lockdowns, etc., it still makes Kent the sixth worst county. Well, first up, let's hear from Joss Brimmore-Jones. He owns a farm in Meppham and has been speaking to Leisha.
2: I don't know of a single farmer or anyone that works around us that hasn't had something stolen in the last six months. That is, that is where it is. I don't know a single one. I couldn't, I couldn't name anyone that hasn't been affected by some sort of rural crime in the last six months, and I think that's a pretty sorry state of affairs.
3: And what kind of crimes are we talking then? Is is it you know the GPS stealing, or is it is it bigger machinery? What are these thieves actually targeting on on Kentland?
2: In our area, it's it's generally small theft, small thefts, things like tools. Um, in particular, things that uh, like we've got a couple of tree surgeons that come here. I don't know a single one of them that hasn't been affected by anything being stolen. Um, one of my friends had his GPS stolen. It's a general, it's small things that they can carry. Um, it's, it's a number of things and you're isolated here and um, I, I don't know what we can do about it.
3: Obviously, it sounds very frustrating for you. It's not just a financial impact, is it either? it's It must take a toll on your mental health, surely?
2: Absolutely, without a doubt. You feel like a trapped victim quite often. Um, and it worries me that something more drastic will happen to one of my friends or one of my, you know, lo- local people in the area where they they've had enough of it, and um, something more drastic will happen. It's, it's scary. It's scary.
0: Clearly, a very big problem there for farmers like Joss, who are at a bit of a loss as to what to do. Matt Wilson is from NFU Mutual, who compiled the data.
4: So obviously, you know, last year was a year like um, no other. Um, we had restrictions in place for movement within the country, but also restrictions in place for movement in and out of the country. And I think that had an impact on these figures, Um, you know, in the five years leading up to this uh, to last year, rural crime was increasing year on year. Um, Now, obviously we welcome this, this decrease in Kent to be down 25% is, is great news. Um, But we do think it's that restriction on movement that's had, that's had the impact. And of course, Kent being a, a county, um, you know, with close proximity to ports, you do get international gangs um, coming in and it is quite attractive to them to, to sort of target that particular area.
3: I mean, there hasn't been a fall in every area of rural crime, has there? I know that there, we've seen an increase in you know, dog attacks on farm animals and things like that. Can you talk us through a bit about why that may have happened?
4: So the increase in dog attacks is probably also linked to the pandemic. Um, you had more people... Um, not only buying dogs, but also getting out in the countryside. And, and whilst that is, of course, welcome, um, I suppose the side effect of that really is that perhaps some of these new owners aren't um, as fait with, with looking after dogs. And unfortunately, sometimes they do um, attack livestock. Dog attacks were up 10% last year, but they, they've also climbed this year as well. So our initial figures for the first quarter of this year are that they're up 50%. Compared to the first quarter of 2020, which is you know a huge increase.
3: And Kent was the sixth hardest hit county by cost in the UK. Why do you think that is? Do you think it's the nature of the land? We have a decent amount of countryside here, or is there something else that is fueling these these criminals to come and come and target Kent in particular?
4: So the reason why Kent is 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 hardest hit is um, it's it's an arable area of farming. So you have bigger, more expensive um, bits of machinery which can be taken. Um, but also, um, as I said earlier you know, it's close proximity to the ports does make it quite attractive to those international gangs.
0: You can also read Leisha's report today at Kent Online. Kent Online News. Kent's biggest hospital has been told to take action following the death of a cancer patient. Johanna Moreland passed away at Medway Maritime four days after going in for a biopsy in March. The coroners found the 59-year-old's death had been hastened by a short time following the procedure due to a lack of observation. The NHS Trust says it takes the concerns very seriously and will address the issues raised at the inquest. A man's admitted groping a hospital worker and exposing himself after being taken to A&E in Ashford. John Donahue had drunk two and a half litres of vodka and was found unconscious at a petrol station before being taken to the William Harvey in the early hours of Saturday. The 32-year-old from Maidstone High Street also assaulted two security guards and a healthcare worker. He'll be sentenced at Crown court at a later date dizzy rascal's been charged with assault over an incident at a home in south london in june police say 36 year old dylan mills which is the rapper's real name and who's from Sevenoaks, will appear in court next month officers were called to stratham where a woman reported minor injuries a former Thanet councillor who sprayed graffiti on public buildings has been told to pay 1400 pounds in damages Ian Driver targeted the offices of Broadstairs Town Council, the Dickens House Museum and a memorial plaque in the town. Well, despite blogging about his actions, the 64-year-old from Seaview Road pleaded not guilty to criminal damage, but he was convicted. He still thinks it was the right thing to do. Uh,
2: I, I think I uh, had a good result. Uh, the court obviously recognised that, uh, that my actions were, were motivated by... Uh, by personal, strong personal belief, uh, and uh, they gave me a a punishment which uh, reflected that.
0: He's been given a conditional discharge. The Kent Online Podcast with Blue Butterfly, Earl Street Maidstone. Next today, and I'm delighted to be joined on the Kent Online podcast by a Sheppey United footballer who made headlines after deciding to come out to his teammates. Jamal Howlett-Mandel gathered the squad before a match and told them he was bisexual. You might have seen the video on Kent Online. Well, I started by asking the 24-year-old why he decided to speak out.
1: I just felt like I'm not prepared to hide anymore, to be honest. I don't feel as though I have to, I don't feel as though I should, same as anybody else, that's any other sexuality. I don't feel that there's any need to hide. And uh, myself, Marcel, the rest of the team, we see each other three times a week, minimum. So for me to hide a large part of my identity and my personality, it was was catastrophic at times. Um, I found it really, really difficult not being able to open up. I found it difficult not being able to speak to my teammates and obviously Marcel and, and the rest of the coaching staff and management. And I just, I knew that they had my back from, from the get go. You know, I, I really knew that. And that was really a driving force in terms of me being able to be myself and be fully committed to playing football, which is what I love, which is what I, I've always known.
0: So, what's it been like since you did tell them, as you said, they've always had your back anyway, but that must have been a huge weight off your shoulders to get the rest of the team around and to see the reaction as well. We saw the video, everyone clapped you, um, what's it been like since then?
1: Uh, since then, it's been business as usual, it's been amazing. So I didn't know what to expect. I was on the way up to the Ashford game with my best friend Alicia and we were speaking about what do I think they're going to say, what do I think they're going to do, and I sort of expected silence, to be honest. I don't know why, but I, I expected silence. But I think Billy Bennett was the first one that that said something positive And I was like, oh, OK, let me keep going. And then the clap started and I got really, really overwhelmed.
0: Obviously, your teammates are always going to be 100% behind you. It can often be a little bit different when you're playing a game and there are fans in the crowd, particularly mm-hmm. opposition fans, maybe. Have you thought about that?
1: I used to. I always used to think, what would I say if, if somebody had something negative to say once i do make the decision to to come out publicly and luckily on saturday there was nothing in regards to my sexuality but football is football there's always going to be abuse from fans from opposition from uh, opposition management and as, as bad as it sounds, that is part and parcel of the game, you'd, you'd much rather your opposition are not in the best frame of mind. But if you're targeting something personal, then of course that's not acceptable. But there was nothing negative said that was regarding my sexuality, which I'm really happy about. But also I'm at a stage in my life now where I do really believe that I'm I'm above entertaining anything negative. It It's just nothing now. It, it doesn't mean anything to me. Um, so I think that's why I'm in the best place that I've ever been in.
0: Do you think it's going to make your game better now that you've kind of got this weight off your shoulders as well?
1: Yeah, 100%. 100%. Because where I'd play before or train before and be in my show a little bit now, I'm I'm not. <laughs> I'm literally not. I'm in the happiest space, um, the happiest mindset I've ever been. And I've got a really, really, really strong core of really amazing people around me that I didn't think I'd ever have, to be honest, and and I have. And now my teammates, um, the staff, they're like my family, which I'm so appreciative of.
0: Statistically, there, there must be way more players who are gay, bisexual. Are you hoping that your decision will help them in making that next step as well, to maybe come out to their teammates or come out publicly?
1: Any advice that I'd give to anybody else that is in a similar position as me, whether you are gay, bisexual, trans, lesbian, I I certainly believe that speaking to those that you are closest to and that you can confide in first and foremost, when you are ready, when they are ready, because at the end of the day, there will be some people that will say, yeah, of course, like go and do it. And you might not feel as though you're you're 100% confident in yourself, which I know that I was in that place for a very long time, which luckily I'm, I'm no longer in that place. I'd always, always, always support anybody that, feels the same way that I do or feels similar to how I do because I care not only about myself, but I also care for equality and diversity, which I think is now being highlighted over the last year, two years in the mainstream media, which it wasn't being done before. I'm
4: Mr Marcel Nimani, I'm the, the assistant manager at Sheffield United. Jamal's been a good leader for us, you know, besides the fact he's a player, but I also feel that Jamal's quite um, quite influential, you know, outside of football. And I feel that it's going to be great message you know across the you know the football society and I do feel that people like Jamal will make a huge difference you know for the generations to come and how you know football is perceived and how football welcomes our football is a very inclusive sport.
0: Because there has in the past, as we mentioned briefly, always been that bit of a, a stigma, hasn't there? I mean, it, it yeah. takes a lot to, to break down those barriers, but do you think what Jamal has done has kind of started that process?
4: I think to, to break down those, uh, those barriers, and they are very difficult to do so, you know, you've got to do it gradually, and it really takes acts of bravery, you know, acts of someone who really cares about, not just themselves, but the impact they've put on others. So what Jamal's done is not only liberated himself, you know, he, he talks about that he, he feels he's going to be happy and he feels his performance is going to get better, which is fantastic. But I do feel that his action will lead to many, many more coming out and I hope it
0: does. Huge thanks again to Jamal and Marcel for joining us on the podcast and we wish them all the very best for the rest of the season.
1: Kent Online reports.
0: A consultation over an allotment near Maidstone has been paused after allegations of cyber foul play. IP addresses from around the world are said to have been used to oppose Bairstead Parish Council's proposal to move the plots in Church Landway to allow for the expansion of a tennis court. It's claimed people abuse. Use the rule of only voting twice per household. A sitting-born family whose cat was killed by a dog have hit out at its owners for leaving their pet to die in the street. 19-year-old Barney was reportedly left for dead after being attacked by a Staffordshire Bull Terrier in Shortlands Road on Saturday. A property in Faversham has been shut down by police after repeated complaints about the woman living there. There have been reports of verbal abuse, excess noise and drug dealing at the home on Brook Road. After attempts to work with the occupant, a closure order has now been issued, meaning it's a crime for anyone other than the landlord to go into the premises. There could soon be a Gregg's drive-through in Kent. Plans have been put forward to confer at the former Regis Medical Centre in Milton near Sittingbourne. There would also be a cafe with indoor and outdoor seating, as well as a car park. Or well, just for a bit of fun, you can head to our Facebook today and tell us what store you'd like to have a drive-through. BM, Taco Bell, and Dunkin' Donuts have all already been suggested. At Kent Online you can see the first images inside a new multi-million pound secondary school in Medway. Construction work at Lee Academy Rainham has been completed with pupils set to start there next month. Each pupil will be given a Chromebook for lessons and homework. Also while you're on the site you can see some rather amusing video of a herd of cows that brought traffic to a standstill on the A2 earlier. They've managed to get onto the carriageway between Whitfield and Lyddon first thing this morning. And a new book about Elmer, the patchwork elephant, is being sold exclusively in Maidstone. There's currently an art trail taking place with more than 50 uniquely decorated elephant sculptures on display around the town. Hardback copies of Elmer and the Bedtime Story are on sale in the Mall and Fremlin Walk.
1: Kent Online Sports.
0: First to Tokyo and Kent sprinter Adam Jamili is out of the men's 200 metres at the Olympics. Our sports editor, Matthew Panting, joins me now. Hugely disappointing for Adam then.
1: Yes, it really is. He was very much looking forward to the Games and really felt he could achieve something. You might remember Adam finished fourth at Rio in 2016 and only last week he'd been on the podcast speaking about wanting to medal this time around. My main goal would be to win or medal. Uh, I believe I'm capable of doing both. I've had a bit of a rocky year in terms of injuries and stuff this season, but then my my immediate goal will be to obviously make it round by round, get into the final. Once you're in the final, anything can happen.
0: So what exactly happened?
1: Well, the 27-year-old pulled up with an injury in the heats. He's revealed he felt his hamstring go in the warm-up, but had told his physio to strap it up so he could give it a go, but it just wasn't to be. He was also expected to feature in the 4 by 100 meter relay later this week.
0: Thanks ever so much, Matthew. Obviously, we wish Adam all the very best and a speedy recovery. Football now and Gillingham's hopes of re-signing defender Conor Ogilvie have ended. He's agreed a deal with League One rivals Portsmouth. The 25-year-old's been training with the Gills over the summer. Despite turning down a contract offer at the end of last season, he's thanked the club and fans for their support. Well, Gillingham have already signed a replacement left-back with former Bristol Rovers player David Tuton Moving to Priestfield. And the side travel to take on Norwich City in a friendly later. Kickoffs at eight. We'll have details of the result in tomorrow's podcast and also on our sister radio station KMFM tomorrow morning. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Plus, you can download the IM news app, which will give you access to all KM group newspapers. Just head to subsaver.co.uk.
1: News you can trust. This is the Ken online podcast.
0: This podcast is sponsored by Blue Butterfly, the go-to cocktail bar and place to meet on Earl Street Maidstone. bluebutterfly.co.uk